Welcome to our inaugural episode of the HeartSmith podcast. This is a podcast that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to benefit us all through immensely. And the structure for our discussion will be based upon the gathering that Imam al-Haddad radiallahu anhu, the great scholar from Hadramaut who passed away in the year 1132, established during his lifetime, and he named it Jalsat al-Awwabin, the gathering of the Awwabin, the penitent, those who turn constantly back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And essentially what we will be doing is starting with a recitation of Surah Yasin, and then reading selections from the Silsila, the series of blessed works of Imam Abdullah ibn Abi Haddad, and commenting on them and trying to relate them to our own lives so that we can put this sacred knowledge and blessed knowledge into practice and so that our hearts can come to life and that we can become aware of what it is that we need to be doing now in preparation for the meeting with our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we will include as well a recitation of one of the beautiful poems of Imam Haddad and close with some of the verses of the Quran, inshallah ta'ala. So with that, we will begin, inshallah ta'ala, with recitation of Al-Fatiha and Yasin. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim, bismillahi ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, maliki yawm al-deen, iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'een, ihdina as-sirat al-mustaqeen, sirat al-lazina an'amta alayhim, ghayri al-mahdubi alayhim, al-dhalameen, ameen. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ياسين والقرآن الحكيم إنك لمن المرسلين على صراط المستقيم تنزيل العزيز الرحيم لينذر قوما ما أمر آباءهم فغافلون لقد حق القول على أكثرهم فهم لا يؤمنون إنا جعلنا في أعناقهم أغلالا فهي إلى الأقوال فهم مطمحون وجعلنا من بين أيديهم سدا ومن خلفهم سدا فأغشيناهم فهم لا يصيرون وسواء عليهم أنذرتهم أن تنذرهم لا يؤمنون إنما تنذر من اتبع الذكر وخشي الرحمن بالغيب فبشروا بمغفرة ورجل كريم إنا نحن نحيي الموتى ونكتب ما قدموا وآثارهم وكل شيء أحصيناه في إمام مبين واضرب لهم مثلا أصحاب القرية إرجاءها المرسلون إذ أرسلنا إليهم اثنين فكذبهما فعززنا بثالث وقالوا إنا إليكم مرسلون قالوا ما أنتم إلا بشر مثلنا وما أنزل الرحمن من شيء أنتم إلا تكذبون قالوا ربنا يعلم أننا إليهم لمرسلون وما علينا إلا البلاغ المبين قالوا إنا تطيرنا بكم لجل لم تنذرون نرجمنكم ولا يمسنكم من أعلاه نعيم قالوا طائركم معكم أئن ذكرتم بل أنتم قوم مسرفون وجاء من أقصى المدينة رجل يسعى قال يا قوم اتبعوا السنين اتبعوا من لا يسألهم أجرا وهم مهتدون وما لي لا أعبد الذي فطرني وإليه ترجعون أتخذ من دونه آلهة يريد الرحمن بذل لا تغني أني شفعتهم شيئا ولا يوطئون إني إذا لفي ضلال مبين إني آمنت بربكم فاسمعون قيل ادخل الجنة قال يا ليت قومي يعلمون بما غفر لي ربي وجعلني من المكرمين وما أنزلنا على قومه من بعده من جند من السماء وما كنا منزلين إن كانت إلا صيحة واحدة فإذا هم صامدون يا حسرة على العباد ما يأتيهم من رسول إلا كانوا به يستهزئون ألم يروا كما أهلكنا قبلهم من القرون أنهم إليهم لا يرجعون وإن كل لما جميع لدينا محضرون وآية لهم الأرض الميتة أحييناها وأخرجنا منها عبا فمنه يأكلون وجعلنا فيها جنات من نخيل وأعناب وفجرنا بها من العيون ليأكلوا من ثمره وما عمل يعيهم هذا لا يشكرون سبحان الذي خلق الأزواج كلها مما تنجد الأرض من أنفسهم ومما لا يعلمون وآية لهم الليل نصف من النهار فإذا هم مؤمنون 
والشمس ينبغي لها أن تدرك القمر والليل سابق النهار وكل في فلك يسمحون وآية لهم أنا حملنا ذريتهم في الفلك المشحون وخلقنا لهم من مثله ما يركبون وإن شر نقلقهم فلا صريخ لهم ولا هم ينقذون إلا رحمة منا ومتاع الأمين وإذا قيل لهم اتقوا ما بين أيكم وما خلفكم لعلهم ترحمون وما تأتين من آية من آيات ربهم إلا كانوا عنها معرضين وإذا قيل لهم أنفقوا مما رزقكم الله قال الذين كفروا للذين آمنوا أنطعم من لو يشاء الله وطعمه إن أنتم إلا في ضلال مبين ويقولون متى هذا الوعد وإن كنتم صارقين ما ينظرون إلا صيحة واحدة تأخذهم وهم يصمون فلا يستطيعون توسية ولا إلى أهلهم يرجعون ونفق في الصور فإذا هم من الأجداد إلى ربهم ينسلون قالوا يا ويلنا من بعثنا من مرقدنا هذا ما وعد الرحمن وصدق المرسلون إن كانت إلا صيحة واحدة فإذا هم جميع لدينا محضرون فاليوم لا تظلمون من شيئا ولا تجزون إلى ما كنتم تعملون إن أصحاب الجنة اليوم في شغل فاكهون هم أزواجهم في ظلال على الأرائك متكئون لهم فيها فاكهة ولهم ما يدعون سلام قول من رب الرحيم وانتازوا اليوم أيها المجرمون ألم أعنى إليكم يا بني آدم ألا تعبدوا الشيطان إنه لكم عدو مبين ومن يعبدوني هذا صراط مستقيم ولقد ضل منكم جبلا كثيرا أفلم تكونوا تعقلون هذه جهنم التي كنتم توعدون اصلوها اليوم بما كنتم تكفرون اليوم نختم على أفواههم وتكلمون أيديهم وتشهد أرجلهم بما كانوا يكسبون ولو نشاء لطمسنا على أعينهم فاستمروا الصراط فأنا يبصرون ولو نشاء لمسخناهم على مكانتهم فما استطاعوا مضيا ولا يرجعون ومن يعمل نكسه بالخلق أفلا يعقلون وما علمناه الشعر وما ينبغي له إن هو إلا ذكر وقرآن مبين لينذر من كان حيا ويحق القول على الكافرين أولم يروا أن خلقنا لهم إما عمل أيدينا أم فولها مالكون وذللناها لهم فمنها ركوبهم وهي لا يحضرون ولهم فيها منافع مشاربها فلا يشكرون واتخذوا من دون الله آلهة لعلهم ينصرون لا يستطيعون نصرهم وهم لهم جند محضرون فلا يحزنك قولهم إنا نعلم ما يسرون ويعلنون أولم يرى الإنسان أنا خلقناه من نطفة فإذا هو خصيم مبين وضرب لنا مثلا ونسي خلقه قال من يحيي العظام وهي رميم قل يحيي الذي أنشأها أول مرة وهو بكل خلق عليم الذي جعل لكم من الشجر الأخضر نارا فإذا أنتم منه توقدون أوليس الذي خلق السماوات والأرض بقادر على أن يخلق مثلهم بلى وهو الخلاق العليم إنما أمره إذا أراد شيئا أن يقول له كن فيكون فسبحان الذي بيده ملكوت كل شيء وإليه ترجعون اللهم إنا نستحفظك ونسترجيعك أديانا وأبهاننا وأنفسنا وأهلنا وأولادنا وأمرادنا وكل شيء أعطيتنا اللهم اجعلنا وإياهم في كنتك وأمانك وإيادك من كل شيطان مرين وجبار لنين وذي باغر وذي حسن ومن حب وذي باغين وذي حسد ومن شر كل ذي شر إنك لكل شيء قدير اللهم اجعلنا بالعافية والسلامة وحقكنا بالتقوى والاستقامة وإذن من موتبات الندام إنك سميع الدعاء اللهم فلنا ولوالدينا وأولادنا ومشايخنا وقوانين في الدين وصابنا ولمن حبنا فيك ولمن أحصل إلينا والمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات يا رب العالمين وصل الله على عبدك ورسولك سيدنا مولانا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم وصلك على المتابعه له ظاهرا وباطنا فافلا وسلامه برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين
many of his contemporaries and his close friends used to believe that he received a great opening from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Yasin. So he had a very close connection to this chapter of the Quran. It is mentioned that in his biography that he used to recite it. And each rak'ah, each cycle of the prayers of the four sunnah rak'ahs, cycles of prayer, the four salat al-dhuhr. And then thus that we have that blessed du'a, uh, this blessed du'a that we recited after Yasin, which is attributed to Imam Haddad, and making du'a for the good of this world and the next, and the blessing of reciting this, this special surah. So it's part of this justice that I want me to begin with this blessed surah of the Qur'an. Inshallah ta'ala, we will now move to reading sections from his books, and we will begin with An-Nasaiha Diniya Wal-Wasaiya Al-Imaniya, which translates as Councils of Religion. So, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wassalam ala rasulillah, qala al-mu'alifu rahimahullah ta'ala wa nafa'ana bih, thumma alam anna man ankar al-munkarat wa akbar al-kabair wa abhash al-muharramat. And know that it is extremely reprehensible, sinful to the utmost, and the worst among forbidden things for Muslims to neglect some of their obligatory prayers. And incidentally, uh, for those that want to follow along with the Arabic, you can very easily do a Google search for Anasai uh, Hadinia, and all of the Imam Hadad's works in Arabic are available online. So for those following on, along in the Arabic, we're on page on the bottom, page one. 42, and for those following on the English Quran page, uh, 78, the bottom of page 78. So, we'll repeat this. Now know that it is extremely reprehensible, sinful to the utmost, and the worst among forbidden things for Muslims to neglect some of their obligatory prayers. Many authentic hadiths have been handed down to the effect that he who abandons ritual prayer is a disbeliever. He has said, may blessings and peace be upon him, the pact that is between us and them is the ritual prayer. He who abandons it has disbelieved. And he also said, وسلم, he who abandons the ritual prayer on purpose has disbelieved openly. And in another hadith, he who abandons the ritual prayer on purpose, Allah and His Messenger will disown him. And he also said, He who preserves his ritual prayer, it will be for him a light a proof and a salvation on Resurrection Day. But he who does not preserve it, it will be for him neither a light nor a proof nor a salvation. And on Resurrection Day, he will be in the company of Pharaoh, Qarun, Haman, and Ubay ibn Khalaf. وقد وقع تصريح من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بكفر تارك الصلاة. And the Prophet, may Allah's blessings and peace be upon him, has explicitly declared he who abandons the prayer a disbeliever. وكذلك ورد عن الصحابة والسلف الصالح حتى قال بعضهم ما سمعت أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقولون في شيء من الأعمال إن تركه كفر إلا الصلاة. So have many companions and virtuous predecessors. One of the latter of them said, I have heard the companions of the Messenger of Allah, may Allah's blessings and peace be upon him, declare the abandonment of no works tantamount to disbelief except the ritual prayer. So beware, beware of abandoning the prayer wholly or partly. فإن فعلت ذلك فهلكت مع الهالكين وخسرت الدنيا والآخرة 
If you do this, you are sure to perish along with those who are to perish, and you will have lost both this world and the next, and that would be the most evident loss. That is a fitting start to the podcast that you get to speak about prayer and what we just heard there, and is really an emphasis on the importance of prayer and the severity of what was mentioned. And this is, I think, a principle that sometimes we forget as Muslims. Um, the warnings that are in the Quran and that came on the tongue of the Prophet in reality are our mercy. In reality are our mercy. Because we're motivated to do things either by hope or fear. So when our Prophet warns us of things and speaks about their severity, it's a way for us to be careful. The way that if you know that a stove could burn your young child, and if you raise your voice a little bit and tell them how dangerous it is, you're speaking kind of in a severe tone, but the reality is you, it's out of mercy for your child so that he doesn't burn his hand on the stove. And, and so I think it's important to uh, see them from, from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And subhanAllah, another thing that you mentioned earlier today in, in another class, was reading وَاسْتَعِينُ بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ How Allah subhanahu wa really highlights that the prayer is a means to attain divine assistance. So when you're going through something difficult, when a person is feeling down, oftentimes they're less motivated, mm -hmm. but rather that should be a, they should, you know, acquire the proper understanding so that they can actually channel that energy to seeking mm -hmm their needs from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through prayer and through patience. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, a, it's a means for relief for them. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, in a very real way, if we can accustom ourselves to doing that, and then the hadith, إِذَا حَزَبَهُ أَمْرُ It's a difficult word to translate hazaba, but would you say like he was afflicted by uh, some form of duress or he was going through some type of difficulty that he would that rush to prayer sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the very first thing uh, that it is that he would do and what a beautiful sunnah that we have mm. that you first get news that you tested positive for corona mm. you get the email that you've just been laid off mm. you just got news of the death of a family member anything that puts us in a state of duress or that we're afflicted with, what a beautiful sin that we can just rush to immediately make wudu, pray to rakas. As you mentioned, it's mentioned in the Quran. Inshallah, that will give us strength. To... And I think for a lot of people, one of the things that we have to kind of almost change our, the way that we look at salah is that it's really a gift. And not looking at it like a like a duty or a burden, right, right, yeah. looking at it as like a huge gift. Like we're allowed to enter, and to be before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes. And then even the latest Ramiraj, it was a gift. It was the, the gift <laughs> of the Rasul Coming back from the Empire Palace. And what are we missing? Like what is it that we're missing out on? Such that the Prophet gives us such a a, a severe warning. Mm. Like there's something so central, so important to our iman and our realization of ubudiyah that if we if we don't get it in the salah, it's as if we don't have we don't have it to begin with. Mm. Mm. Like that, some of the disbeliever, such that it's even equated to kufr disbelief. And I was thinking that Imam Hadad was going to say to speak about the difference of opinion of what mm. that meant. Mm. Because uh, most of the imams understood it as um, that lack of gratitude, so ungratefulness. Mm. Um, mm. And I think it's Imam Ahmed who understood it as actually takes you outside the fold of Islam, so I just speak within that sense. Uh, but he didn't mention that, just to, and, and it, it seems to be so that you know, the power of that word can come across the fact that there is even Imam that says it actually mm. is unbelief. Mm. Uh, it's just very interesting. Imam Hadad did not mention the opinion that, you know, it's. And then the door is always open, even if we've at times not prayed 
even if we have to, that make up prayers of the past, the door is open. And subhanAllah, and that's something that um, as we come back to the deen, um, that is a really important thing to do, is that first and foremost, get our prayers right. Start praying on time. And then once someone gets strong enough to where they're praying regularly, then they can make up the prayers of the past. And that even if it's been many, many, many years, they do an amount that they can do on a regular basis, you know. If they fall short, Allah knew their intention. And we'll forgive them, inshallah. We won't pass. But the door is always open for us, subhanAllah. In the mercy of Allah, inshallah. Now we're reading from Imam al-Haddad's Al-Da'wat al-Tamah wa Tadhkirat al-Ammah which is the complete summons and general reminder. Uh, that's the name of the English translation. And for those who'd like to follow along in the Arabic, we are at the top of page 158 in the Arabic. And in the English it's towards the bottom of page 90. إِلَىٰ أَنْ قَالَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَنَفَعَنَ اللَّهُ بِهِ وَاعْلَمْ أَنْ لَا يُكْثِرُ الْحَلْفِ بِاللَّهِ عَلَىٰ سِلْعِهِمْ وَصَنَائِعِهِمْ وَإِنْ كَانُوا فِي ذَلِكَ صَادِقِينَ they should not swear by Allah even if they are truthful, for Allah is more august and majestic than for his name to be taken for a worldly matter. As for swearing by Allah the exalted untruthfully, this is a major sin. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُبْغِضُ الْبَيَّعْ الْحَلَّافِ And uh, among the four, this is mentioned in the hadith, that among the four that Allah detests, as he said, وسلم, is the merchant who swears often. وَإِنَّ الَّذِي يَحْلِفُ بِاللَّهِ فَاجِرًا لِيُرَوِّجْ بِذَلِكَ مَتَاعَهِ أَحَدُ الثَّلَاثَةِ الَّذِينَ لَا يُكَلِّمُهُمُ اللَّهُ وَلَا يَنْظُرْ إِلَيْهِمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلَا يُزَكِّيهِمْ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ he who swears by Allah untruthfully to sell his merchandise is one of the three to whom Allah neither speaks on the resurrection day nor looks nor purifies, and theirs will be a painful torment. وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام اليمين منفقة للسلعة ممحقة للبركة. And then the Prophet said, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the oath sells the merchandise but obliterates the blessing." وفي رواية للكسب and then another version of the same hadith has, but obliterates the Prophet. وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام البيعان بالخيار لم يتفرقا And then our Prophet said, وسلم, the buyer and the seller retain their choice so long as they have not parted. فإن صدقا وبينا بورك لهما When they are honest and make things clear, there will be blessing in their transaction. وَإِنْ كَذَّبَا وَكَتَمَا مُحِقَتْ بَرَكَتْ بَيْعِهِمَا But if they lie and hide, the blessing of their transaction is obliterated. So I, I think this is, uh, this is one of the things that I was, uh, as a convert, when I went to the Muslim world, and you learn early on that you're not supposed to do this. Mm. But then you hear so many people in the marketplace, Wallah, like swearing... An oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like, oh, wait, we're not supposed to be doing this, but you hear this. And then you read, so you hear stories of the great imams, uh, the likes of Imam al-Shafi, they say, he just didn't swear by Allah. Yeah, and he, when he wanted to emphasize something that was the truth, let alone when something was that false. Um, and, and it's just really important, I think, that we... Uh, instill this in, in our children, especially, and we kind of set the tone that the name of Allah is great, mm. that we don't use it for uh, worldly reasons, and we don't use it in vain, that we mm. only mention the name of Allah uh, in the, the best of ways to teach that our children and those that are around us the importance of and the majestic nature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name. فعلى أهل التجارات والصناعات أن يبينوا ما فيها من العيوب التي لا تعرف إلا بتعريفهم وبيانهم 
Therefore, merchants and craftsmen must point out the defects in their merchandise, especially those that people are unlikely to notice until they tell them. If they failed to do this, they would have cheated and wronged their customers. This is so beautiful. When they're dealing with someone whose intelligence is limited or who is otherwise un- unable to conduct a proper transaction, they should be extremely careful not to exploit his weakness. But he be very clear and honest with him and treat him in such a manner that he gets the same kind of bargain that a more astute and experienced customer would have had. Only in this manner will they escape Allah's wrath. They should never consider the weak a good prey and an opportunity not to be missed. As would do those who have no fear of Allah. I mean, this is the amazing thing about his book. It's like a small paragraph. Yes, so far. But it undermines the vast majority of trade, <laughs> buying, and selling in the world. Yeah. A small paragraph. And the, 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 what he started with is about the khiyar. Hmm. Is that the buyer and seller retain their choice so long they're not part of So in Islamic law, if you come to buy something, you agree upon a price and okay, you purchase it. As long as you're still together, you can like, okay, I'm going to return this. But once you part, hmm. then... It's binding, unless mm-hmm. someone finds some type of fault in the product or the item uh, that, that was purchased. Um, but then this whole idea of not pointing out the defects in the merchandise. So let's say someone's selling a car, mm-hmm. and you know there's problems with the transmission, mm-hmm. but you kind of like hide it. Mm-hmm. It's totally hard, even if someone on Craigslist or wherever you're selling it in a, you know, auction or whatever else buys it. You have to clarify what's wrong. And then there will be some people who will, you know, sell it to an older lady, for instance, or someone who doesn't speak English properly. Yeah. And that, and it's just like, you might win in the moment, but you've done something, Alhamdulillah, that, 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 that is haram. So, um, what a beautiful, like, not exploiting people's weaknesses. Yeah. Just like you said, like the elderly lady, or sometimes people think it's like you're a shrewd businessman if you trick people. You do. And you, yeah, you find out how to find ways to kind of catch them off guard, or you don't tell them all of the details, and you make this sale. And it also shows the beauty of, you know, because this book is about da'wah to all of these different categories of people in society. And if you look, if in the marketplace, in our dealings with one another, we treat someone who might be inexperienced or maybe even deficient in their intelligence, we treat them with the same care, then what would that do to society? Like the, the, the chain effect of that. Across the board, how we deal with people who need more help, right. uh, not lying and deceiving one another, is really beautiful. I always remember one of the things that stood out for me traveling to the Muslim world as a convert. Um, you would go and you'd go to a particular part of the souk marketplace and there'd be like 15, 20 stores within like a small radius that all sold the same thing. Mm. They all sell clothes. They all sell fabric. They all sell whatever, right. items for your home or whatever. And it's like, everyone's fine. And like I, I remember when I was in Syria one time, souk Hamadiyeh, that a friend there had a cloth shop or clothes shop and I got to see their home mm. so it was just a simple shop it wasn't that big mm. there was tons of other cloth shops or clothes shops around them but they were very well off mm. they would have been like in our standards kind of like middle class mm. where they were very well off they you know, ate well they dressed well they had what they needed to get by so it's like despite all of the 
competitors the yeah. way it's kind of seen. You know, yeah. the, the whole idea of a SWOT analysis. Yeah. You know, like yeah, it's good to know about your strengths and your weaknesses, but the opportunities and threats. Yeah. Where it's like a dog you dog world. Exactly. If you don't you beat, the, beat the competition, they're gonna. You know, the way that this kind of cutthroat way of economics of the modern world I love is a problem. Like, if they don't have something in their store, so let me just go to the guy next door. Right. See if he has it. And then they'll get, and they just and have it's like, like a cooperative a relationship. Oh, I don't have the size large. Yeah. Right? You take it from the, and then it's so beautiful. It really is. And it, what, a, what a beautiful perspective with it's, it's a perspective of abundance from the man. I'm not providing. Everyone is blessing them. So now we'll read a bit, inshallah, from Al-Usool Al-Ilmiyyah Wal-Usool Al-Hikamiyyah, which translates as knowledge and wisdom. So we are mid-chapter, and I think, uh, what does he title this chapter? The Golden Mean. The Golden Mean. So he says, وَعْنَمْ أَنَّهُ قَالْ يَخْفَ حَدَّ إِقْتِصَادِ الْأُمُورِ so this is page 63 of the English translation. Sorry, page 79 of the Arabic. Uh, now know that the limits of moderation may not be evident. And the middle way might be difficult to locate except for those who have religious insight and are well versed in knowledge and certitude. Therefore, any person who experiences problems in this area must refer to such people. And if, as frequently occurs these days, he cannot find any of them, he must halt and wait until he is sure what the right thing to do might be. The best course of action when confusion occurs is to lean slightly on the side of excess in praiseworthy things, such as humility, liberality, and modesty. And to lean slightly on the side of frugality in habitual things, such as eating, sleeping, and talking. This only occurs when confusion arises, for the praiseworthy thing is to keep to the middle way. It is in the nature of the nafs to lean toward excess and lack of restraint in habitual things and toward, toward insufficiency and neglect in matters of religion. It is therefore wise and appropriate to go against the nefs's inclination on both accounts, God the Exalted willing. MashaAllah. So uh, he's referring here to the middle way. And as our Prophet said, the best of all affairs, yeah, the affairs of the middle way. And um, this is a deen of the middle way. This is reflected at the level of belief, at the level of practice, and at the level of spirituality and purification of the heart. And in this chapter, we encourage everybody to go back and, and to read it. It's a really beautiful chapter. And even the, all the various character traits that we are encouraged to uh, adorn ourselves with, all of them are a balance between two other extremes. And um, then he, he gives us here uh, this beautiful principle here that finding the middle is difficult. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of just kind of just the whole uh, meaning that we have of the Surat al-Mustaqim. You know, that it's, it translates in the next world as being sharper than a sword and finer than a hair. But even in this world, that balance of not being in excess or not being remiss in anything, sometimes it gets very precise and very fine. And if we lack knowledge or if we lack the intuition and spiritual development, we can make a mistake. 
terms of where we lie on that matter. And we might think that, oh, I need to do this now. In reality, I should have done this. And we might think, oh, I, should, I need to be nice in this situation. When we really should have been firm. Or I should have created a boundary. But I embrace someone or hacker. And, and so he said that this is why we need to have religious people in our lives that aren't narrow-minded, mm-hmm. that understand the nuances of such a diverse population of Muslims in the United States of America from all their ethnic backgrounds, all their different circumstances. It really requires uh, a lot of knowledge and some being adept at applying what is the religious principle to them in this uh, particular scenarios. Um, that's that's wisdom. That's why I guess the book is called Knowledge and Wisdom. Allah, 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 Allah. Because not yeah, and because not all wisdom is knowledge, mm-hmm. but not all knowledge is wisdom. And then that beautiful principle, so he doesn't leave us hanging, okay, let's say we don't have someone to ask. Yeah. Then if we doubt hmm, should, is this a time that mm. we're always inwardly humble, but outwardly am I humble? Or do mm. I remain a little bit firm in this mm. particular situation? Mm. You don't know, it's better to be on the safe side. But then in other, th- in, in other matters, that, mm, should I not do this or do this? Mm. It relates to something that the dust normally disinclines towards. Mm. So. It's beautiful. And there's, you know, if people just implemented that, there are so many things in their lives that would just improve. The amazing thing about Imam al-Haddad's books is like, you know, some, some, and with all due respect to all different scholars, but some scholars, you'll open up a book and it takes like a few paragraphs, maybe a few pages to kind of get to something that really hit, you know, reaches your heart. You can open almost any page of any book of Imam al-Haddad yeah. and it's like, yeah, exactly what totally you relevant in your day-to-day life. <clears throat> so we're now reading from Risalat al-Mu'awana, and on the in the Arabic edition, we are on page one hundred and twenty. And in English, from the towards the bottom of page seventy-nine. والأمر الثاني عدم الاحتراز من المعاملات الفاسدة وطريق الخلاص أن تجتنب جميع البيوع الفاسدة والمكروهة. So that he says here, secondly, they do not safeguard themselves against invalid transactions. So this is in the context of uh, that religious men are prey to ambiguities because they neglect three things. So the first thing was is that they don't investigate thoroughly where this is appropriate. And then secondly, they do not safeguard themselves against invalid transactions. This safeguarding is affected by avoiding all invalid and discouraged types of transactions and by neither selling nor buying except by valid contract. There is, however, no harm in contractless transactions involving insignificant things. So buying a small piece of candy or mm. something very small, mm. then you don't need to. But when we buy larger things, like a car, like a home, mm. uh, we should, in addition to what we would do, like in the United States, the paperwork and signing and stuff like that, to also pronounce it. Mm. Right, where mm. that there's an ijab and kabul, where I'm saying that I sell this to you for such and such a price, and then I accept the price. Exactly. You agree I to that. pay that yeah. price. This happens all the time. This is unplanned. All of the overlap in the books, inshallah. Yes. Avoid cheating, lying, and making oaths concerning any merchandise. This is what Imam al-Hadar was saying in another book. In, uh, mashallah, do not hide a defect in your merchandise, which, if seen by the buyer, would prevent him from paying the same price. So I even know someone who, when they were getting married, hmm. is that both sides, they mentioned all of the, they, what they considered to be their faults. <laughs> and as a result, that it was a means for them to love each other and get yeah, married. <laughs> right? But they were honest. What 
Logan was like, you know, just so you know that my tribe is stubborn. And my family's especially known that to be stubborn amongst the tribe. And I'm the most stubborn person in my family. And the other side goes, that's great. I came from a family strong woman. I love stubborn women. That's I'm ready to marry you. And so forth. That is subhanAllah. But then there's baraka. Yeah. Right? You get it all out there. You don't try to hide things. And that's obviously a different meaning. Like yeah. marriage and things like that. But it applies as well. Yeah. Beware greatly of usury, for it is one of the major sins. Allah the Exalted has said, O you who believe, fear Allah and renounce what remains due to you from usury, if you are truly believers, and if you do not, then be warned, and if you do not, then be warned of war against you from Allah and His Messengers. And the Messenger of Allah cursed the taker of usury, his client, clerk, and witness. وَالْمَطْعُومِ بِمِثْلِهِ كَالْحَنْطَةِ بِالْحَنْطَةِ إِلَّا مِثْلًا بِمِثْلٍ يَدًا بِيَدٍ The summation of the law for usury is that it renders illicit and impermissible the trading of money for its kind, for instance silver for silver and food for its kind, for instance wheat for wheat, except when the amounts exchanged are exactly equal. فَإِنْ اخْتَلَفَ النَّوْعُ كَالذَّهَبِ بِالْفِضَّةِ وَالتَّمْرِ بِالْحَنْطَةِ جَازَ التَّفَاضُلِ وَوَجَبَ التَّقَابُضِ فِي الْحَالِ if the kinds differ, for example, gold for silver or dates for wheat, differences in value are allowed and payment should be immediate. وَلَا رِبَا فِي بَيْعِ الْحَيَوَانِ بِالْحَيَوَانِ وَالثَّوْبِ بِالثَّوْبِ وَالْمَطْعُومِ بِالنَّقْدِ There is no usury in trading animal for an animal or a garment or food for money. And so when you, when you study in the books of uh, finance and Islam, uh, you, you find out that there's actually many types of uh, riba, mm. usury or interest, and um, you know the type of interest that's in like um, bank accounts or in certain loans that we take out is one of the types of interest, but there's actually others. Mm. And he mentioned uh, other examples here, and so that if someone had like a certain measure and amount of silver, you can't trade that except for the exact same amount of silver, or Food stuff relates to it has to be the exact same amount for other food stuff. But if it differs, you know, and this is more what we would call like bartering. Mm. You could say, I'm going to trade you uh, this car for um, that whatever that, you know. Whatever equals something similar to a boat or whatever. Mm. It's something else. Mm. Uh, and we don't tend to do that much anymore. Mm. We tend to just buy it with paper money, but then that opens up the whole door of, you know, what really is paper money. And so that. In the other work, it was like one strike of the sword to most of the modern economy. And now, yeah. they, you take out Oriba, it's like, <laughs> gave the death blow to the others. Yeah. And that's one of the signs of the end of time. That uh, uh, everybody will be affected by Oriba, if not directly, that they'll be that, uh, that impacted by its robar, like its dust. Mm. Modern banking system is very problematic, but... The believer still has to do uh, what it is that he or she can, but you know, try to be as upright as possible. And, uh, some people just say, oh, that means I'll just give up and you know, live how everybody else lives. And I think that's yeah. it's a real problem, you know, and I, I, especially as someone who became Muslim from uh, previously being Christian. Um, that's one of the things that has happened to many Christians in America and other religious people yeah. across the world, that their religion has become very compartmentalized. They go to church on Sunday, but then like 95% of their life, they just do whatever they want. Yeah. They don't think like, about their financial transactions. They don't yeah. think about what it is that they eat. They don't think about, you know, the words that they say. Yeah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, There was a sister who became Muslim not too long ago. And she was a lawyer, and she did a lot of these kinds of transactions. She oversaw a lot of like different transactions. And when she learned about riba, she said, I can't do this anymore. 
And alhamdulillah, she found a job in another area of law where she's totally safe and doesn't have to engage in those kinds of transactions. Yeah. So she's still working as a lawyer. She's still, you know, able to provide for herself. Uh, and she just found a better way to do that. But she just immediately after becoming Muslim found out it was haram and found another alternative. You have that strong intention? No. Unwavering commitment? This is deep. Right. Oh, Allah will help you. Yeah. So now we're reading from Sabir Ittibar wa Ittibar bima yamurru bil insan wa yanqadi lahu min al-a'mar. This is translated into English as the lives of man. We're on page 56 of the English edition. And on the top of page 89 of the Arabic. وَرُوِيَا مِنْ حَلِيثِ مُعَادِ بِنْ جَبْرِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أَرَعِيتْ قَوْلَ اللَّهِ أَرَعِيتْ قَوْلَ اللَّهِ عَزَ وَجَلِ يَوْمُ يُنْفَخُ فِي السُّورُ فَتَأْتُونَ فَوَاجَعَ Mu'ad ibn Jabal, may Allah be well pleased with him, said, I once asked, O Messenger of Allah, what of the saying of Allah the High and Majestic, on the day when the horn is to be blown, and you shall come in hosts? And the Prophet, may blessings and peace be upon him, said, O Mu'ad ibn Jabal, you ask about a formidable thing. Then he wept abundantly and said, Ten different kinds of people of my ummah will be gathered in distinct groups. They will be distinct from among the groupings of the Muslims. Their forms will have changed. Some will have the forms of monkeys. Others, the forms of pigs. Others will be upside down, their legs upwards. Being dragged on their faces. Some will be blind, hesitant. Others will be deaf and dumb, lacking in reason. Others will be chewing their tongues which will hang on their chests. And their saliva will be pus. So that they discuss the other people in the gathering. Some will have their hands and feet cut off. Some will be crucified on tree trunks of fire. Some will be fouler than putrid cadavers. And some will wear flowing robes of tar. As for those whose forms resemble monkeys, they are the slanderers. Those who have the forms of pigs are the people of ill-gotten, illicit, and unlawfully taxed money. Those whose heads and faces are beneath them are those who consumed riba, usury. The blind are those who ruled tyrannously. The deaf and dumb are those who were proud of their actions. Those who chew their tongues are the ulama, the scholars and judges whose conduct differed from their words. Those whose hands and feet are cut off are those who injured their neighbors. 
The people crucified on trunks of fire are those who frequently denounced people to the authorities. Those fouler than putrid cadavers are those who enjoyed passions and pleasures, but withheld Allah's due in their wealth. And those who wear the robes of tar are the arrogant, the boastful, and the conceited. Related by Al-Qurtubi, may Allah show him mercy in his book, The Memorial. These things are, are very scary. It's, these are realities that subhanAllah, we're in such a state of heedlessness here in this world. And of course we live in a time where you can quote these hadith and then people don't even know how to approach them from a religious perspective. This is there to warn us, again, of things that we shouldn't be doing. And just as we have to have hope in paradise, is that we have to have fear of punishment and the hellfire. It's also profound from another lens how these spiritual diseases, like those realities are already there in the spiritual diseases, but just on Yom Al-Qiyam they're manifest. Mm -hmm. So it's like if these things trouble us, then we should recognize that that they could already be there. May Allah help us, Mm -hmm. but like they're already there. Mm -hmm. Like the person who has, you know, uh, is controlled by desires. It's like this gluttonous kind of... They have those character traits. The person who's arrogant. The person who doesn't, uh, you know, give the zakat or take care of others, whatever it may be, or harms their neighbors. So if, if these things trouble us as they should, uh, and going back to that point you said, uh, being informed of it is a mercy, mm-hmm. then then we have to work to rid ourselves of it now, yeah. It should trouble us here and now, not that it's going to happen on Yom Qiyam. So the final book we'll read from is Adab Suluk al-Murib in Arabic, translated as Good Manners. And we're on page 7 of the Arabic. And on page 59 of the English. Faslun. اعلم أن أول الطريق باعث قوي يقذف في قلب العبد يزعجه ويقلقه. Know that the path begins with a powerful urge is cast when a powerful urge is cast into the heart of the servant which troubles and unnerves him. ويحثه على الإقبال على الله والدار الآخرة. Drives him to seek Allah in the final abode. وعلى الإعراض عن الدنيا وعم وعم الخلق مشغولون به من عمارتها وجمعها والتمتع بشهواتها والإغترار بزخارفها. It turns him away from this world and from being like others engaged in amassing and grooming and enjoying its pleasures and being deceived by its ornaments. وهذا الباعث من جنود الله الباطنة. This urge is one of the hidden warriors of Allah. وهو من نفحات العناية وأعلام الهداية. A gift of solicitude and a sign of right guidance. It is often bestowed upon a servant as he listens to those who stir in him the fear of Allah as well as desire and yearning for him. And when he looks at the men of Allah and they look at him. But it can also be granted without cause. وتعرض للنفحات مأمور به مرغب فيه والانتظار والارتقاب بدون التعرض ولزوم الباب حمق وغباوة. We are actively commanded and encouraged to expose ourselves to receive such gifts for the expectation to receive something when not standing at the door and exposing oneself is foolish and unintelligent. وكيف وقد قال عليه الصلاة والسلام إِنَّ لِرَبِّكُمْ فِي أَيَّامِ دَهْرِكُمْ نَفَحَاتٍ أَلَا فَتَعَرَّضُوا لَهَا How can it not be so when the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said, Your Lord grants gifts in the days of your time. Expose yourself to them. 
ومن أكرمه الله بهذا الباعث الشريف فليعرف قدره المنيف. Let he who Allah honors with such a noble urge know how precious it is. وليعلم أنه من أعظم نعم الله تعالى عليه التي لا يقدر قدرها ولا يبلغ شكرها. Let him also know that it is one of the greatest favors of Allah, exalted is he, such that he will never fully appreciate how truly precious it is, nor will he ever be able to show enough gratitude for it. فليبالغ في شكر الله تعالى على ما منحه وأولاه. So let him thank Allah, exalted is he, to his utmost for having selected him from among his peers to receive it. وخصه به من بين أشكاله وأقرانه فكم من مسلم بلغ عمره ثمانين سنة وأكثر لم يجد هذا الباعث ولم يطرقه يوما من الدهر How many a Muslim reaches the age of 80 or more and neither finds this yearning nor is affected by it a single day of his life This is a very blessed book of Imam al-Haddad Dr. Mustafa al-Bedoui translated it as good manners, but the, the full title, title in Arabic is Adab Suluk al Murid, uh, which is the treatise of the good manners of the spiritual disciples' wayfaring. And so it's a brief text, but it contains everything that the seeker needs. And he tells us here in the initial chapter, after the prologue, this is how the whole spiritual path begins. It begins with this, what he calls a ba'ith, this powerful urge. And we'll come back to this inshallah ta'ala in the next month's session, because this is so important and right at the very heart of treading the spiritual path. And what Imam Hadar wants us to know is that it is one of the greatest gifts of Allah of all. And if someone receives this, they receive something that after the blessing of Iman is one of the greatest, greatest gifts of all. And it's inconceivable that someone will tread the spiritual path to do what it is that they need to do to get close to Allah if they haven't first received this back. And then what he's going to do is, after receiving it, we have to strengthen it, protect it, and respond to this urge as he's going to detail for us. But the key there is, is that how can we put ourselves in environments whereby which that we can be blessed with this? And rarely Allah God gives someone who's not in a good environment this powerful urge, but usually it comes to those who uh, frequent the company of the righteous or in gatherings of remembrance, learning their deen, worshiping Allah, taking advantage of the blessed times. And alhamdulillah, we're right about to enter one of the blessed months of the year, the month of Rabbi Allah, mashallah <clears throat> this is a qasida from Imam al-Haddad's Diwan, his collection of uh, poetry that's full of spiritual meanings and benefit. <laughs> Amen. 
أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم الضالين آمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الأفلامين ذلك الكتاب لا ريب فيه هدى للمتقين الذين يؤمنون بالغيب ويقيمون الصلاة ومما رزقناهم يذهبون والذين يؤمنون بما أنزل إليك وما أنزل من قبلك وبالآخرة هم يوقنون أولئك على هدى من ربهم وأولئك هم مفلحون الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذهم سنة ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض من الذي يشفع عنه ولا كذنه يعلم ما بين إني وأخذهم ولا يحطون بشيء من علم ما شاء وكرسي السماوات والأرض ولا يرمي العظوم ولا يرمي آمن الرسول بما أنزل إليه من ربه والمؤمنون كلنا آمن بالله وملائكته وقدر رسوله بين أحد من رسوله وقال سمعنا وأطعنا وفرجنا ربنا ملك كثير لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها لا ما كسبت وعليها ما كسبت ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن سنين وأخطأنا ربنا لا تحمل علينا سرا كما حملته على اليمين حقنا ربنا لا تحملنا ما لا طاقتنا به وعفونا وغفرنا وحمنا تفاولانا فنصرنا عن قوم الكافرين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل الله أحد الله الصمد ولم يلد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل والله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوان أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل والله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوان أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل والله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوان أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل والله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوان أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل والله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوان أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل والله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوان أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل والله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوان أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل أعوذ برب الفلق من شر ما خلق ومن شر غاسق إذا وقف ومن شر ما فات في فرعون من شر حاسد إذا أسد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل أعوذ برب الناس ملك الناس إلى الناس من شر الوسواس الخناس الذي يوسوس في صدور الناس من الجن والناس Thank you, inshallah. We'll be in touch with you all next month, inshallah.